We have to hear the end of it. Oh, that's a piece of history right there. 11 minutes after two. As you know, a number of young people took part in what we now know as the fallist movement that I think questioned the very fabric of our society. It really shook us to the core because there we were, right? Seeing the so-called born freeze who are now in essence telling us that all is not well, that it's not yet Uhuru. And we didn't quite understand it, did we? I mean, we were very critical about the whole movement. They're disruptive, we said. They just don't want to write exams, we added. And now they've taken a stand. They are replying. They're letting us into their heart of hearts so we can talk about what went on so we can really walk a mile in their shoes. They've swapped uh, a load or a loudspeaker for pen and paper and they've put together a collection of personal articles. Uh, they've written essays, speeches, poetry uh, in the form of a book titled We Are No Longer at Ease. Well, the book tells the journey of young people in South Africa that participated in that movement that li- really redefined politics in my opinion in post-apartheid South Africa and uh, is the evidence of of a quote born free generation telling their own story and leading discourse as well as action on transforming South Africa. It gives me tremendous pleasure to have us uh, have in studio with us Umklengi Wandilengawini, the co-editor and researcher of the book, as well as contributors and authors Kanyisilimboya, as well as Asanda uh, Luwaka. I believe Asanda will be joining us telephonically, and she is also on the line. Asanda, hello to you. Can you hi? Uh, thank you so much for joining us as well, Wandile. Thank you, Ayanda. Thank you for having us. I think for me, the fallest movement, if we can, if we can define it as such, has has been romanticized a little bit, similar to the struggle. You know, you look back at these icons. We see you in the dukes. We see you fist in the air, and we think, you know, these kids they are just waking up and trying to be woke now. Some they were bored. It's just a generation of youngsters who really don't know what the struggle is, and now they're adopting this stance. I want to know firsthand what it was like in the in the thick of things what it was like for you personally uh can you you're right here in front of me perhaps let's start with you sure um what was it like terrifying um i think especially i have a suspicion that the historically black institutions are kind of used to the violence mm. because they've been going through this and that is the great untold story of Fismas fall is that Fismas fall really starts in 1976 and never stopped mm. and the previously black institutions have been doing it but unfortunately people like myself who come from the white institutions roads uct etc as soon as we were like oh my god fees mm. then suddenly the media was now writing about us mm-hmm. and i think for me it was most frightening because there's a there's a deception around whiteness that if you are in a white space you kind of feel more secure so mm. we even felt like you know if we protest maybe they'll stop shooting at KZN if we sure. protest maybe they'll stop shooting at Wusu and then the day and I even remember the day we went to Midlands College I took out my phone being my white model self mm-hmm. and I was like you know um, here's a hippo let me take a photo yeah, and I was like and I remember phoning a lecturer and saying, Doc, they are shooting at they're us. Shooting Prof, at they're us. shooting at us. And she was like, no, they're not. She was like, no, they're not. I was like, 
they are shooting at us and we are running. Mm. And I remember a friend of my, uh, mine and I literally I dragged her and we ran into um, a white school because I was like, if we keep running on the road, they're going to keep following us and they're going to keep shooting at us. But if we go into this white private school, they won't. And literally my friend and I ran onto the field and we stood there and the police left us alone. Mm. Mm. And so it was, it, it was just horrific. And even more so in the context of South Africa. I was like, surely, surely mm. under this democratic government. It can't be. It can't be. I think even those words that you're saying, they're shooting at us. Yeah. You know, one delay when you go into varsity um, first year, you know, you're thinking, woo, where the girls at, <laughs> freedom from dad or whatever the case may be. The last thing on your mind is probably the shooting at us. It definitely was the last thing on my mind. I mean, I was at UJ for three years, and on the third year, this is when this happened. Um, it was all fine fine for the two years. Mm-hmm. It was fine. And then come, I remember the eve when we were planning the shutdown, the eve when we were going to occupy, I guess, to stand um, in the front gates of UJ. Mm. All of a sudden, they are like, where are you guys going? <laughs> they had already, the night before, because they were tracking social media, they had already ah. seen that we had been planning to shut down the university the next day. So while they were doing that, so what they did was there were bouncers already that evening uh, on campus. And if you were walking on campus, I was at APK walking mm-hmm. on campus, mm-hmm. there were bouncers there and they were asking you, where are you going with these cardboards? Give them to us. And you said like, no, I'm just walking out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is at 4 a.m. in the morning. You're trying to walk out and, and they're giving you problems. Where are you guys going? You're not allowed to leave using this gate. So they make you use a, a, a far gate, the gates yeah, at the yeah. other end of the university. I mean, that's when we realize that, you know what, this is gonna going to be a tough day today. Yeah, It's going to be a rough day. And exactly as like that, when we came back from protesting, so we went all the way to, to VITS, to join VITS, and we came back. To UJ, some other students went to Lutuli House. That's the day f- uh, other stru- uh, vets and UJ went to Lutuli House, yeah, yeah. and then UJ, some other students came back to the university. When we did come back to the university, there was havoc. I All mean, hell had broken I mean, loose. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. Asa, did you ever think that it would grow to be a movement of this magnitude when you had started having those uh, conversations with yourself, you know, to say, hi, man, you know, this is not right. This just you know, doesn't feel good. I mean, I don't know about this. Did you think that it would be what we now know that it became today and that you would play such an active role in it? Not at all, not at all, Ayanda. Um, first of all, thank you for having us on your show. Um, greetings to your listeners and my fellow comrades on that side. Um, I think for me, it was so profound, more than anything, just witnessing young people, seeing students united against the common cause, irrespective of race, class, gender, political lines, and just taking a stand and saying, look, this is, this is our lived experience. These are the, these are the um, issues that we grapple with on a daily basis. And we're taking a stance and we're saying that, listen, let the policymakers, let the influencers, let them hear our voice as a united front. We are taking a stand and we're saying that for the sake of our generation and for future generations, this is not sustainable. The issue of the commodification of education is not sustainable. And if things don't change now, then basically we're in a dire situation. So... For me, also just reflecting from when Seasmus 4 started to um, announcements, um, policy decisions that have been taken, it is a momentous time and it is 
profound to say the least have been part of such a such a movement in such a time. Hmm. Can you still I want you to talk us through your contribution and how it came about that you, you were able to write the piece of work that you put together and what led to it? So the poem itself, which is the first part of my contribution, was inspired by a professor who had written a piece somewhere um, about feeding the revolution. Mm -hmm. And upon reading her title, I thought maybe this is, you know, metaphoric. But really, this professor was writing about giving us food and paper cups and giving us pieces of like slices of orange and vegetarian food and all these things. And in that moment, I was really enraged because I was like, that's so demeaning of what Mm. we're really trying to do here. And also because she's somebody who's very highly respected in her field and regarded, lots of people were reading this piece. Mm. And international people, the international community was reading this piece and going, oh, so vegetarian food, you know, soup and paper cups. How charitable of you. (laughs) Seriously? Seriously? Like, seriously? I'd rather she had done a GoFundMe page to put someone in school, rather. And so out of that rage, I wrote the poem to kind of, one, pay homage to the people who are really feeding the revolution, people who are holding our hand after being, you know, shot at, people who are passing us milk, um, lecturers who are saying to us, guys, this has happened before, but we are proud of you. Keep on keeping on. But... Once you have drawn the line and you've decided that actually you cannot go any further, we understand. And I was so grateful to them. And I wrote this poem in saying to them, you are the ones who've really fed the revolution. It's not the paper cups. It's not the vegetarian food. It's not the pizza. It's not the rolls. It's not the chips. Mm. It's not the fish. It's none of those things, right? Mm -hmm. It's the people who said, we believe in free education. We believe in people having access to the ability to realize themselves. And that's why I wrote the first piece. And then the second piece is really just my journey of kind of realizing and trying to help also South Africa realize that fees must fall and the rest of the protests around the country are a culmination of a lifestyle that we have lived. It was inevitable that we would protest for fees. It really was inevitable. It is inevitable that poor hungry people are going to join a protest movement and, you know, Go to Santon yeah. and break down Santon. Yeah. It is inevitable that students are going to go down. It was Brown. just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. And so we are kind of postponing the inevitable as the state and even as the people by going with the flow. Mm. Because the longer we go with the flow, we just postpone the inevitable. And the more we postpone it, the worse it's going to be once it erupts. Mm. Wandile, why did you find it important to, to partner with your father on this and say, let's give a platform where these young men and women can vocalize, can put in, in their own words their experience? Talk us through the process of putting the poetry together, the, the, the finding the contributors, the essays, and the, the selection process as well. I mean, as Kanye is saying, that there was a lot of... Uh, misinformation out mm-hmm. there and the misinformation is is by powerful people people that have i guess that 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 can afford to be read all over the world i mean and so it was important to actually get a, a, a collection of essays from the students who were on the ground who yes. actually did experience this personally um to to get i guess their sense of 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 what they were going through 
the importance of the importance of that is number one it's archiving as well as no one can take away what 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 I have experienced and I have written about it and I, and I have published no one can can write a book saying I I am lying or saying otherwise because that's how I experienced the movement as it was so it was it was in many ways very important to to archive this 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 collection and i mean so how we selected we asked students uh, i tried uh, we tried as much as possible uh, to ask students from around around the country different universities um students who were specifically on the ground students who wanted to write uh we asked a lot of students uh it was important to get i guess a, a balanced view as well so we also added uh some some elders elders i mean past students who were who were in in the movement before this uh, who were in the university space let's say in 2005 and 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 before that so it was important also i guess for them to kind of say what they went through and how they went through 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 university and yeah. and and the struggle for fees during their time and to kind of map that journey to the journey that comes in 2015 when everything erupts right um we also have i guess poetry i mean poetry um comes in i guess to also become a mixture of 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 ways of 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 of, of documenting uh mm. because others uh there were there were placards during Fismas 4 people were writing songs people were writing poetry mm-hmm. uh people were writing academic essays so here we have a mixture of of articles academic essays and and poetry to kind of capture that and we also have images to kind of capture the iconography of Fismas yeah. Fall as much as possible mm. um i'm i'm hopeful that we've i guess succeeded in balancing that out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yes yes Asa, let's let's bring you back into the fold and just speak about how layered, um, you know, the Fallist movement was. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to unpack things like, you know, the gender parity issues that were there, ageism that also surfaced there, race relations that were all just encapsulated in this one movement that was about fees, but not just about fees. So it's 25 minutes after two. And when we come back, we'll go into that part of the book. Life Happens with Ayanda Ali Payne, weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back, Asanda. Let's maybe now go through some of the um, so some of the other variations of this particular movement that you were all part of, the Fallist movement. Some of the sub themes that are involved. Maybe you can also share about your contribution. I mean, we spoke just before the break. You know, the gender issues that came to the fore, um, misogyny also mm. right there in the thick of things. Uh, the race relations it became about that very much, and and also ageism. You know, where people were just saying these are just kids, biasing. Mm-hmm. No, I think, um, you know, what Ukanisile was saying earlier on, on how this movement was ultimately a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, there's, I think, John Dewey, who is a philosopher, um, I quote him in my chapter, um, when he narrates or he speaks about education as the means of the social continuity of life. Um, so if we look at the education in its entirety, what we find is that it is in and of itself a means uh, for expediency um, and it should serve as, as an agency for socioeconomic emancipation. 
So when when we were taking up um, arms, or in this case, placards, what ultimately what we were saying is that yes, we do want a system that can advance the black child. Um, but unfortunately, and there's, there's actually a section in in the book uh, with all Kanyesile, Nabosara Mokwebo, that looks at the intersectionality and the feminist perspective of the Fizma Falls. And I remember one, um, I think it was a Sarah, she was at um, Vitz University at the time, and she narrates, she narrates sorry, a time when they were basically, and, and, and I guess it's a manifestation of, of the patriarchal system that we do find ourselves in. Yeah. And it did play itself in, in the movement where, for instance, um, at some point, and as much as you had your female SRC president, in fact, outgoing, as well as the incoming, they were both female, they were both leading the struggle, but you found that even amongst ourselves, you know, you have your male comrades wanting to uh, start a revolutionary song. You had our male comrades who wanted to take up the stage and um, outstage our duly elected female leaders, mm. you know. So on the one aspect, you found that... Um, we were being oppressed even within within our fellow comrades, within our fellow followers. But then also within that space, there was a lot of violence that took place. And there was a lot of violence where um, the unfortunate reality is that young girls were assaulted um, physically, they were assaulted sexually, and they were assaulted both by um, the comrades as well as um, just outside, you know, the external factors. It, it, assaults did take place. Mm. And so you find that it was, you would think that this was a safe space that you were in, but being within that, you find that there was, there was, there was, there was that disparity between, um, or, or rather the abuse that still manifested itself within, within the movement. Um, also on the issue of race, I mean, the, 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 the anecdote that Okanisi mentioned when she started was really, I guess, it, it, it was, it was a re- it's a reflection of, of the society that we are in. You know, yeah, where yeah. you had our fellow white um, students who would not be touched by your police or your armed security. Um, but as soon as it's us, you know, all of a sudden there's, there's that element of violence that's imposed mm. on us. And as soon as we respond to that violence, then it was seen as, you know, the students are anarchic and yeah. um, 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 militant and just, you know, but what the what what the what the narrative failed to reflect was that it was just a response to the violence that we were already receiving and the inequalities that were playing themselves out blatantly um, on a daily basis. And yeah. I think those are just some of the frustrations that um, built up within 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 the movement yeah. itself. Yeah, I think one of my biggest frustration right now is time because there's so much to go through. But unfortunately, we have run out of time. But I think all of what you have said is so beautifully ventilated in that book. You know, it's in depth. It's informative. It is out already, I believe, at all good bookstores. It was it was number two yesterday. Number one. It was number one day before yesterday. It was number one. It was number one at exclusive books yesterday. And then yesterday happened. There was a situation that you'll know of another book. But it was number one. It is a very good read. I would advise all people, not only if you have children, even if you don't have children, children if you want to understand the psyche of our nation where we are and where we should be going definitely read this book and if i don't convince you i'm going to ask Kanye to just read a stanza or two of her poem that will lead us to the news and so like fools we are told to wander around the untimely aporia of our stools with burning ulcers born from sitting still but we were born free 